Welcome to another round of Boardroom or Miro Board. Today we talk retrospectives with Agile coach Maria. Let's go. First question. You've spent two hours in a team retro, but the only input you've heard is Dave's. Boardroom or Miro Board? Boardroom. In Miro, Dave can't hog the space because everyone can add thoughts anonymously, online at the same time. Correct. Next. You need the team to act on feedback fast, so you turn all those retro notes into JIRA tasks instantly. Miro all the way. And I can assign those tasks to teammates. You're nailing this. Now, you see hundreds of sticky notes from the retro. A real mess. But you organize them into five themes in just seconds. Miro, I basically get back an entire hour when I use its AI tools for clustering. And she's done it. Join over 60 million people running actually enjoyable and actionable retros in Miro. Get your first three boards free at Miro.com. That's M I R O.com. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. This is Center Court with Hall of Fame basketball player Ralph Sampson. Center Court is presented by the Winner's Circle Network in conjunction with the Sampson Family Foundation, striving to uplift, empower, and educate the communities we live in. Now here's Ralph and your host, Mac McDonald. Welcome to the Winter Circle Network. It is Center Court with Ralph Sampson, and great to have you along for another week. We've got a, a great show coming up for you. I think I say that every week, but they've all been great. Uh, Virginia State Senator Jennifer Lee McClellan is going to join us. Uh, we're going to be talking name, image, likeness. And Ralph, when you sent me the note that said, hey, um, you know, we've got this show coming up. We're going to talk uh, name, image, likeness and, and, and all this. I said, you know, I got to ask Stick. I don't think I've ever asked him. How many jerseys with <laughs> Samson 50 when you were at Virginia? How many you think sold at Mincers and All Points Beyond? I have no idea, <laughs> but I'll tell you a story. So okay. a Virginia alumni from St. Louis, Missouri, texted me. Now, I, and I'll go back even further. So mm -hmm. I go to the College Hall of Fame and get inducted, and I meet – a bunch of UVA people out there. They have a, you know, a reception at this guy's house. Looks like the rotunda, et cetera, et cetera, right? So I go, big, big time people. Okay, great. Get there. And we become friends over the year. This is 2011. So we become friends. So this year, he texts me and said, I'm trying to find a Ralph Sampson jersey. And I've been calling all over to find one. Where can I get one? Like, I don't really know where you get one from. So I go to Mincers in Charlottesville out on Hydraulic Road. Mm -hmm. And I see some downtown in the corner, right? Right. I go there, I say, well, I got a friend that went to Jersey. He said he can't find one. He made a call. Where do I find one? He said, well, we don't have any more. We sold out. And right now we can't get any more because of whatever reason, because they sold out. I'm like, okay, great. So I did a little homework, tried to call a company, mm -hmm. and nobody's going to take my call basically right now because I don't know who got the license, where the license is, and I'm not getting paid for that, Mike. I'm not getting paid a dollar for that. Uh, Virginia, Jersey, I don't know where that is. I have no clue. <laughs> and what year was this? 
three months ago. So the jersey is selling. I see mentions and I've had them in there. I, mean, I, I, I got pictures. So you mean 40 years to the day. Almost. I have no clue. 40 years. You're, you looked for a Samson jersey and he told you they were sold out? Well, yeah. So again, I would go to the corner and I see some hanging up there. You know, right. early before Christmas, they had some hanging up. And I go to one, the guy called me and I go to the mentors out by Hydraulic and they said, we don't have any more, but we can't get any more. So I called, I said, what's the name of the company? So they gave me them. I called the company. I asked the person, can, you know, I need to talk to somebody about the Samson jersey because I need to know who got the license. I have not gotten a call back. I've called again and again and nobody's answered my call yet. So I have no clue as a basketball player to have the jersey out there where my UVA jerseys are and how that works on my behalf. I have no clue. I need to do some more homework on that. Then I take it you you tried to talk to UVA and the people who license products. Did you talk to anybody at UVA? I've, I've tried. Uh, they had one guy there that was in the promotional business and he right. went on and moved on to uh, Scott Primo. He moved on to Georgetown. And I made a call there, but I still haven't contacted anybody that knows anything about the licensing of UVA basketball jerseys. This is uh, Senator Court with Ralph Sampson on the Winter Circle Network. And uh, we've got Virginia State Senator Jennifer McClellan coming up in just a, a little bit. Well, the, na- the whole name image likeness thing surfaced also when I was watching Michigan last weekend and, uh, and I saw Livers, uh, the young man who plays for Michigan with the hashtag not NCAA property t-shirt and, and several camera shots. This from an organization that I walked into an arena one time with a Starbucks coffee and they made me leave prior to a game because they said, you have no right to bring a Starbucks coffee into the arena. You got to pour it into an NCAA cup. I told them, yeah, I just paid six bucks for a cup of coffee. I said, yeah. Um, So I had to pour it as long as it was in an NCAA. Same with the water. They have a, they have a water sponsor and they just have certain things. So Ralph, how do you feel now about the athletes in this fight for name, image, and likeness, what's what's really your opinion now? Yeah, it's, it's, it's I mean, I'm torn between all of it because NCAA rules said student athlete. Mm-hmm. So think about it. In any NCAA tournament, you don't hear about guys in the bubble there to take it any class. I haven't heard any story on any of the networks about a guy or a young lady in their room in virtual learning. Number one. Uh, two, the, the, the in proprietary things with the female and the male with the locker room yeah. and the court and the weight room. And now mm-hmm. you go back and try to fix it after the fact when a young lady takes the video and says, our weight room, we have some light dumbbells. The man said, well, so they try to fix it. That's too late for that, right? Right, right. So there's a lot of things going on with this whole name, image, and lightning and the disproportionate uh, for men's and women's sports to different schools as well. So that's one. But for me, going back, you know, to my UVA days, you know, I've got history and 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 they would always tell me, you don't want to know, you really wonder what's going on here. Like, why don't I want to know? So I was told a, a lot of times, like, for instance, the Georgetown, Virginia game. Mm-hmm. You know, that was millions of dollars to each school. Oh, yeah. Supposedly, supposedly, right? Yeah, that was one of the first big ones. One of the first big ones. Uh, you remember the Raycom ACC Player of the Week trophy, whatever. I probably got that a few times, more right. likely. A couple right? times, so, yeah, yeah, I'm sure. So that's how we play. So that's a thousand, whatever that is, whatever it be. So between all that, supposedly I, I was able to pay for all of my teammates' scholarships at UVA in my four years. 
Uh, that's one. Number two, all the apparel became a whole different ballgame, right? Sure. After the fact, because it wasn't as big as it is today. So for me, if it's a student athlete, that should be compared to a student being able to get a summer job at either a, you know, rate or whatever it may be. Right. And I can be a student athlete because I want to be a student. That, if you're going to take away my ability to make income as a student athlete, then I'm just an athlete and you, you you can't do all that. So I should be able to get something for that. And I think they should get paid something because all these kids are coming from somewhat, we just talked about Damon Green and his story that everybody should go and, and read and look at. We'll put on a link in our social media stuff that he basically said that when he came to school at Michigan State, he had to send money back to his home to support his family that the right. school was giving. And that's just, you know, a couple of dollars here to pay his rent or eat or whatever. So he's sending money back. So it's gotta be fixed. And, and, and now it's just time I think that NCAA and all the powers to be are kind of in trouble to me, and they mm -hmm. wanted to figure it out really quickly. That is the voice of Ralph Sampson. His name is on it. Center Court on the Winter Circle Network. Ralph and I will be back with State Senator Jen McClellan right after this. Hi, this is Mac McDonald, host of Center Court. I've known Ralph Sampson for over 40 years. I watched him grow as a basketball player, achieving greatness at the University of Virginia and at the professional level. I always admired his work ethic and the things he did to be the best. Since he founded the Sampson Family Foundation, so many people, young and old, have benefited from Ralph's efforts. The mission for the foundation is simple, striving to uplift, empower, and educate the communities we live in. The foundation promotes charitable and community input, educational development, health and fitness, and scholarship opportunities. The Samson Family Foundation's initiatives focus on patients with cancer, educational scholarship programs, and give students guidance in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. If you'd like to learn more, call 540-615-5097. The website is samsonfamilyfoundation.org. Uplift, empower, educate. It takes teamwork to make the dream work. The Winner's Circle Network and the Sampson Family Foundation present Center Court with Hall of Fame basketball star Ralph Sampson. Again, here's Ralph and Mac. Welcome back in the Winner's Circle Network. This is Center Court with Ralph Sampson. Uh, I'm Mac McDonald. Great to have you. Super guest today. Ralph has known Jen McClellan for a few years. Uh, she got her BA from the University of Richmond and then uh, was at the University of Virginia Law School and uh, got to know what it's like to be on the grounds and support basketball teams. And everything. we got a lot of things to talk about. Not only that, Ralph, this is and I know you met uh, Jen in a different circumstance in the beginning, but we are speaking with a governor, a, a candidate for governor in the state of Virginia. So we'll talk more about that as well. Jen, welcome to the program. It's great to have you. Thanks, Mac and Ralph. It's good to be here. Before we get to the, the governor and Greg Beckwith and all of our basketball stuff to, to governor, I want to go back to the story. When you were there, Virginia, because we talked about this before we got on with Haroldine UVA and your experiences at UVA, because you said some interesting things that I want to regurgitate that because I want to highlight some of that as well. But what was your experience at UVA? You mentioned going there as a law school student. What was that like? You know, it, it was funny because I um, had gotten active in, in politics. Um, and so I was a law student. I was a basketball fan. Um, but when most of my friends were playing softball um, and partying, I was campaigning all over the, the, the Commonwealth. I was president of state young Democrats, but I would always find time to play, I mean, to watch ball. Harold um, 
and I went to high school together. We grew up together in the same neighborhood. Our, our parents worked at Virginia State together. And so um, it was pretty cool to see him uh, playing at the next level. I kept stats for our high school team when, when he was on it. So um, I was able to get to some games and, and, and cheer him on and cheer on the team. Yeah, Harold Dean, a really good point guard at UVA. And I remember, Harold, I don't know if you remember his dad, but he wouldn't shake your hand, it would shake your wrists. <laughs> and I had two people in my world, Ken Nealon's father was that way, Mac, and Harold Dean was father. He wouldn't shake your hand, but he would shake your wrist. So very, very special guy, uh, you know, Harold Dean. I, I actually talked to him a couple of weeks ago, but very, very good guard at UVA. But you mentioned you at UVA and the law school. Your law school experience at UVA, what was that like? You know, eclectic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was I was not your typical law student. I mean, law school is is – is crazy. The, the joke is the first year they scare you to death. The second year they work you to death and third year they bore you to death. And, um, but I, I kind of broke away a little bit from just being a law student. I had friends who were undergrad. I, I even got involved with a campaign for student council. A friend of mine ran for student council president. So I spent a lot more time with undergrads and law students. And then on the weekends was traveling around, uh, like, knocking on doors and volunteering on campaigns. So it was really, it was a lot of fun, but it really was a turning point. When I went to law school, I, my dream job was I wanted to work, um, be a lawyer to a congressional committee. And it didn't quite work out that way, but um, it, it really kind of honed in what, that I really wanted to be involved in, in government at somehow. Um, it just, the way I ended up involved was not the way I thought I would be involved. Jen McClellan, our guest, she is Virginia State Senator uh, for the 9th District. Jen, when did the political bug bite then? I was and still am a nerd. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> my, my parents were older. Um, they, they grew up during the Depression under Jim Crow and, and um, my dad in Nashville, my mom in, in Mississippi. And the more I learned about their stories and, and um, my own love of history, I came to understand that at its worst, government is a force that oppresses some for the benefit of others. But at its best, it's a force that solves problems and makes people's lives better. So I was already thinking like, hey, this is interesting. And then I watched a movie about John F. Kennedy and was fascinated. And, mm -hmm. and because of my nerd tendencies, <laughs> when I in something I have to know everything there is to know about it and the more I read about um what was happening in the 60s and just it it it, it reinforced for me I want to be a part of government somehow but again I thought it would be behind the scenes I didn't think at the time I would ever really run for anything so at that that age at 11 12 and you see all that and now you are running for governor of Virginia but now you have a lot of young ladies looking at you to tell those stories. So those stories in the days were very powerful. Something like that sparked your idea and energy to become who you are today and who you will be here shortly, right? So what would you say to all these young people looking at you as a role model? You know, you can do it too. Um, and, and I was once just like you. I think that the big difference is when I first got involved, there weren't a lot of young Black women uh, involved, especially running for office. Um, and, and, and now there, there are, and so, um, we, we've come a long way, but we're still not, we still need more, more women, more young people, 
more people of color to, to run for office. Um, and, it, and you can do it. Just be yourself and, and be determined and go do it. Was there one event or one thing that, and I know you're, um, you, 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 uh, was it your father or mother was a professor at, uh, at Virginia State? My, my dad was a professor. My mom was a counselor um, who ran support services for, for first-generation students and at-risk students. Okay. So was there something that happened during this time that said, boy, I've got to get involved. I've got to have a voice. You know, if it, if it had to be that one thing, it was watching that movie because um, mm-hmm. we didn't have we didn't have cable. <laughs> I don't know if you remember the movie The Day After. Yes. Um, but it was it was a movie about what would happen if there was a nuclear holocaust. And I was too scared to watch that. Yeah. Um, but I had just seen The Breakfast Club and Emilio, we had Emilio Estevez and Martin Sheen. His father was playing John F. Kennedy. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to watch this movie. And. And the more I watched, the more fascinated I was. And I heard John Kennedy and Robert Kennedy, it was a real call to service. And they really called young people to get involved. The whole like, ask not what your country can do for you. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I heard that call and I felt, you know, there's an unfinished mission. Once, once they died and, and, and Martin Luther King died, like their work's not finished. And, and that was really it, but I don't know that that would have happened if I hadn't watched that movie. So then what was your next step? I joined the Young Democrats at the University of Richmond. There were four of us. <laughs> uh, we all had an office. Um, I was vice president. And then the following year, the president pledged a sorority and quit. And actually the year after that, um, 1992, the presidential debate came to the University of Richmond. Um, and that was the debate where, um, you know, George Bush looked at his watch and, and I had been working with the Clinton campaign um, that entire week. He won the mock election at the University of Richmond, which was a huge deal. And I got mm-hmm. invited to, to sit with Hillary Clinton at the debate. And that was probably the moment that really introduced me to like the Democratic Party and getting more involved directly. Because I met everybody. That's when you know Doug Wilder was governor. So I met everybody who was anybody in 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 sort of Virginia Democratic circles, and we we ran everything in the state. And so that uh, that was what was next. <laughs> Jen, with everything going on from a, a college standpoint, the name, image, likeness battle, uh, all of the talk of you know the the students forming an association and wanting to be paid. Um, how do you view it? I'm guessing that you probably stay a little attached to basketball and what's going on. Is that correct? <laughs> yes. Um, and baseball. Uh, you know, I think anytime you are profiting off of another person, that person should get a piece of the pie, plain and simple. Um, and, and that just is, is fundamental fairness. And, and I get it's complicated with you know, they're not professionals, but if, if you're going to profit from their name and image and likeness, they should too. When you see what the NCAA and how the NCAA has handled a couple of things, Mark Emmert, you know, just saying, hey, I'm not going to talk to you till later or whatever. Would you like to have a voice in this whole thing as you follow the tournament and, and really what the athletes are standing up for? Yeah, I mean, and I think, you know, I know Congress is looking to take some action. I know some other states have. So I think that's something that we can look at here in Virginia. We haven't had a lot of conversations um, yet at mm-hmm. the state level, but I, I think it's time that we we have that conversation. 
Yeah, I mean, that conversation is huge. Uh, it's been going on for years, and I tell people all the time, and me and Mac had this conversation a number of times about when I played at Virginia. And even today, I, there, there's jersey sales with my name on it. I have no idea where they are and <laughs> who's getting paid, and I have, I have none. And I just ironically just stumbled upon that maybe a month ago or so as well. But I always thought that, you know, when I look at it, the NCAA says student, athlete. It says student first. But you're not a student because you can't get a job. You can't have recruiters come in to, to, to recruit you to get a job after school. You can't get a summer job. you got to work out and go to study hall, which you know your, from your experience at that UVA and, and law school with Harold Dean and the crew. They're in that bubble, and they can't do that. So the statistics show to me that even after sports at UVA or, or even in, 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 in professionally, that those guys don't have a chance to get a good job because, one, you know, you know what kind of classes they're taking because mm-hmm. they're not taking the best classes that they could because they need to be eligible to play. So it's, 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 it's totally different, uh, and it's still the same thing it is as it was years ago. I mean, nothing much has changed. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny you say that I, um, you know, so I know Tim Hightower um, uh, played football in, at uh, University of Richmond before he went pro and, and he's back in Richmond. And, and we were kind of talking about he, he even said he's like, gosh, I wish I had met somebody like you when I was col- in college. Maybe my career path would have been different because he wasn't really encouraged to take right. political science classes or things like that. And so you're right that the the school experience and the academic experience is different um and that should be their prior that their their priority you know i tell people so I, if i'm a student i should be able to get a summer job with student wages as a normal student if i can there's the story i'll ask today with damon green was at michigan state that said he got recruited michigan state took him and he was sending money home to his mom and dad to survive you know, mm-hmm. but the school's making all this money on him, so forth. So now he went to the NBA and did okay, but not everybody does that. Yeah. So I think there's got to be some fairness in the lay of land with this name, image, image and likeness. But it's going to be a crazy, crazy time with Florida changing all the rules and kids going to that state or this state. So I think it's going to be in the next couple of years, in my opinion. The NCAA is in pretty much big trouble. Yeah, I would, I would like to see Congress um, – take action so that you do level the playing field for for everybody um and and but we'll see hopefully they will yeah jen would this be would this be a better state by state thing or do you think that that we have to really open it up to every ncaa school i think it's better to do it nationwide Mm -hmm. um just because it doesn't you know you don't give any one state or 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 a group of schools or division and advantage over another. Um, and it's, to me, it's just a fundamental fairness question um, that, that shouldn't depend on what state you happen to, you know, get a, what, what state and what school you get accepted to or get a scholarship to. Um, it should be the same everywhere. Yeah. Jen McClellan is our guest, Virginia State Senator from the 9th District, and she'll be running for governor this fall. Uh, and, and Jen, this whole, because when it started with the EA sports game and at O'Bannon, which I think, and, and Ralph and I were just talking about that. And now EA sports wants to bring back a college game and they, they want to set up tiers to pay the top 25 schools and it'll be different levels. Uh, I know probably you're so busy. You haven't seen all the, all the details, but it could break down to like every, every football player, for example, in uh, D one, 
could make about sixteen or seventeen hundred dollars on their name, uh, you know, if they wanted to. Uh, as you said, if EA Sports is going to make four hundred million off yeah, this yeah, game, yeah. I think that's a pretty good pool to draw from, at least to to help the uh, help the guys who are playing maybe to to have a little pocket money. Yeah, they got you, Mike. They got no choice but to really find a way to, as she said, level the playing field because it's it's unfair to the the athletes on the academic side i'm a, a big academic person the school system have to do a bigger better job at the college level to educate athletes just about finances um the little thing so they can get get a good paying job after they finish playing uh or, or their college seasons are over their eligibility over as well but understanding yeah. that it's just kind of different today yeah i mean look even if you're if you're one of the the fortunate to go to pro, you're not going to go pro forever. And you're probably going to retire while you still have good earning years left. And if you haven't, you know, been equipped to get a job afterwards, we've it's seen tough. what it's, it's, tough. It's, a, it's a train wreck. I mean, guys struggle because they don't have a resume. They don't have anything. And somebody's going to hire them. I mean, I, I went through that after I finished playing. I mean, okay, great. I have to start at the bottom of the barrel to get a, you know, get, get a job because, I mean, name Ralph Sampson, Care a little way to get in the door, but it wouldn't. You didn't have any experience. You didn't have anything that you could bank on at that point in time because you never taught that. The uh, uh, one of the numbers this week, and because we've been doing with my classes in in, in uh, Orlando, we've been looking at a lot of different things with this name, image, likeness story. The transfer portal, Jen, that you know has really yeah. helped a lot of. There are right now 168 college basketball players in the portal looking to go to another school even before we've got a champion and, you know, a national champion. And so the portal is certainly trying to, you know, a lot of students saying, Hey, I, I can do better here. I can improve my stock here. Uh, naturally that's what they're looking at earning power and, you know, by getting more playing time or whatever it might be. So actually I hope that people believe that that was a step in the right direction. I think the transfer portal was a step in the right direction for college athletes. Yeah. Mike, I've seen, that portal uh, when I was coached at JMU would left it at 800 students. So it, it's going to, it's going to increase oh, uh, sure. the next couple of months, especially after this NCAA tournament, it's going to increase dramatically. And kids, when this ruling comes down, kids will be able to transfer, you know, and go somewhere else if they want to, because they're not playing, but it's going to be a crazy free for all for sure. If there are legitimate concerns about competitive balance, fine. But I don't see that there are legitimate concerns when you have you know, unfettered spending on facilities and coaches' salaries and, and everything you could possibly imagine within the, the universe of college sports. And yet we have to control what the athletes are able to earn uh, or accept. Otherwise, the entire enterprise teeters on the edge of, of legitimacy. And I just, I've never believed that. I, and I don't think it's, I don't think you can make a credible argument for that. You're listening to Center Court with Hall of Famer Ralph Sampson. Center Court is presented by the Winner's Circle Network and the Sampson Family Foundation. ESPN basketball analyst Jay Billis, who has been very outspoken about the NC2A and the name, image, likeness era that is upon us. For more content and information on Center Court, follow us on at Center Court Podcast 50 and at Ralph Sampson 50 on all social media platforms. Stick. I want to thank Jennifer for coming. I met her on our lovely farm last June with the governor, Norcom there as well. We passed the 
Airbill actor was a nightmare for us. We'll get into that a little later. But your your view as running for governor of Virginia, what's, what, what are you running on? What are you running for and why? Yeah, I was going to say, why has got to be a thing. Why? Why went away, right? Why? You know, at, at my core, like I said, I, I got involved because I wanted to make people's lives better and, and solve problems. And at the end of the day, the governor set the agenda. And when the governor makes something a priority, it's, it's more likely to happen. And before COVID, too many Virginians and too many communities were being left behind. COVID's made that worse. So I am running to rebuild our economy, our healthcare and economic safety nets, our education system in a way that, that brings us together, stronger, that addresses inequity that's been in our systems for centuries um, and really restores people's faith in government's ability to solve their problems. And I've got the experience uh, doing that, but I bring a different perspective uh, to leading. I'll be the first Gen X governor. I'll be the first, <laughs> first uh, Black woman governor. So um, I'm just ready to, to solve people's problems and make their lives better. You mentioned those problems in Virginia, and I see the healthcare system uh, which is near and dear to my heart. We have a cancer fund in my father's name, and I see the healthcare system from small town Harrisonburg to University of Virginia. A very dramatic difference yeah. in the in the care in a small town to a big city. One says my dad needed surgery and he wasn't going to live, and the other one comes in and says right away we can we can fix that. Yep. So the, 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 I mean I see what you're saying with that. So we need a lot of help in that. And so my initiative there, if I can support that, let me know. But that that's a big one for me as well. Yeah. And, you know, it's just what kind of how good of a school you go to, whether you get access to a doctor when you're sick, um, yeah. you know, what kind of job opportunities have, whether you can get on the Internet, like all of it depends on what zip code you're in and what community you're in. And, and that's just that we got to fix that. Yeah. Jen, when you um, when you started to really take a look at this, how long did it take you to make the decision? Say, yeah, I. I really am going to go for this this governor's role. Uh, conversations, uh, I'm sure, with a lot of trusted people. Um, yeah. You know, maybe your mom. I mean, who? Where? Where did it settle with you? Going, yep, yeah, I'm going to go for it. I'm I'm going to I'm going to shoot to become the governor. So I've you know I've been in the general assembly now. Um, this is my 16th, going on my 16th year, and I love it. But um, I'd say in, in early 2019, I started to think about it um, and, and started talking to people. I pretty much made up my mind, but then Democrats took control of the General Assembly. And so for the first time, I was in the majority party and, and getting a lot of stuff done. And I thought, hey, I kind of like this <laughs> in majority. Part of what did it, I have been putting in budget amendments uh, and bills to like fully fund our, our K-12 school needs. But I'm not the one writing the budget. And so it was hard getting those amendments passed. But I'm like, you know, if I'm governor and I'm writing that budget, this is my top priority. It's going to be in there. It's going to get done. And um, so that's what really made me start to think about it. And once COVID hit, um, I went into kind of crisis mode, helping constituents, um, and then when George Floyd got murdered, finally, I was just like, I, you know, I'm fighting the same fights my parents, my grandparents and my great grandparents fought. Yeah. And I have two young kids. I can't leave those fights to them. And we we are really dealing with four different crises right now. You know, health pandemic, economic crisis, racial injustice reckoning, 
but I just kept seeing people lose faith in government's ability to care about and understand their problems. And I was like, you know what? They need, people need to know that somebody is in that office who wakes up every morning thinking, how can I help you and make your life better today? Not how can I score political points or, or get media attention, but how can I help people and make their lives better today? Yeah, the, the political points is a basketball game to me. It's been who has the best team and the best uh, on, on their side, right? It becomes crazy to watch them go back and forth. But I know there's this big issue now in our country with, with gun violence. Mm-hmm. And it, it's been here for, for a while. And I know the state of Virginia, I was, ironically, I was, I'm, I'm in Charlottesville now, and I was driving up Interstate I-29, and I saw on the side of the road a guy had a truck and was selling ammunition on the side of the road. <laughs> I'm like that. That can't be legal, right? That can't be. That can't be legal. So I, 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 I'm just dumbfounded of all the stuff I see right now. But which I know it's one of your initiatives and on your website as well. But the gun violence in the country. What's your opinion about that? You know, it is. It is an epidemic. Um, and we made some. We made a lot of progress here. We passed about seven different bills to to start to really adjust it. Everything from universal background checks requiring reporting of lost and stolen firearms, um, what we call red flag laws. So if a court finds somebody is likely to be a danger to themselves or somebody else, they have to surrender their weapons. Um, so we've, we've done a lot, but we still have some, you know, some things to go, like, you know, making sure people aren't selling ammunition on the side of the road. Um, <laughs> You know, having background checks, if you rent a gun, um, we have two, at least two shootings in our area, you know, two people who went to a gun range, rented a gun and then committed suicide, have to do a background check. Um, So we've still got some, some work to do. It's just two, you know, these, these, these military style weapons were made to kill people. And, and when someone gets a high capacity gun and can in an instant kill so many people. Or you see, you know, there was a girl in my district who was at a park in a picnic. She was nine years old. She was killed in the crossfire. Um, You know, people are afraid to send their kids to the grocery store or to school or, and it's just got to stop. Yeah. Yeah. You fear, I saw the news and people fear if they go to the grocery store, no, they want now a grocery store to have security armed guards at the door. I mean, it's become a nightmare. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Jennifer McClellan is with us. She is a Virginia State Senator. And uh, uh, in June 2020, she made her announcement that she would run for governor in 21. And uh, she would be the first female governor in Virginia and the first black female governor in the United States, too, which is quite uh, the accomplishment. So uh, when you started to put everything together, Jen, and think about it, um, I, I mean, that day then when you woke up, saying, OK, I'm having my meeting. I'm going to make the announcement that had to be an exciting time for you. I would, I would think. It, it was, but you know, nothing looked like what you thought it was going to. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. I had pretty much decided, you know, I was like, okay, I think I'm going to do it uh, in March. And I thought, all right, the general assembly was going to adjourn on March 12th. I was like, I'm going to travel around the state. I'm going to talk about all the great bills we passed. I'm going to talk to people get feedback, tell them, think about running. And then if the feedback is good, I'll announce in April. Well, on March 12th, we adjourned. And five minutes later, the governor declared a state of emergency. Then the next day, my kid's school shut down. And my office, I was just flooded with calls from people who were scared, 
who, who, you know, couldn't go to work, didn't know what to do. And I kind of went into crisis mode. And that's when I was like, the need, like I, like the need is there and everything that I was fighting to fix was made worse by COVID. And then we were like, all right, we're going to announce in June. And then George Floyd got murdered. And, and that weekend I was supposed to actually shoot my launch video. And I was like, I, I, I can't like, first, I just needed that weekend to feel what I felt. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 uh, once I kind of did that and processed, I was like, you know what, we just, we gotta go because the need is there and it's getting worse and, um, people need some good news, Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, but we couldn't, you know, I've been doing a lot of campaigning in the zoom box. Uh, and on the telephone, when I really want to be out in person and meeting people face to face. And it's just, it's, we're doing a little bit of that safely, but it's just different. It's different, but you know, you make do. Yeah. Yeah. Most important question, Ralph, I got to ask her, how's your bracket doing? (laughs) (laughs) Everybody's got busted the first day. So it's great. You know, I'll confess, I didn't even have time to do the bracket when you're okay, running. all right. <laughs> I forgot you know, lose all track of time. And the next thing I knew, I was like, oh, well, when when I gotta fill my bracket? And they were like, Yeah, it's Thursday. The game's already started. I was like, oh shoot. <laughs> How the family feels when you when you start to run, when you made that decision, that's the last question. I just I, as a family guy or whatever, what what would that feel like to the family? They're, you know, they're excited. My son is now 10. Um, my daughter is five and so they're excited um, and I think to see my son getting as excited about government and politics as I did when I was his age um, kind of relearning like re-seeing that excitement through his eyes is, is cool um, and and my husband's proud my mom's proud my, you know, everybody so where can people find you your website information all that good stuff as well it is uh, jennifermcclellan.com uh, and if, on Twitter, Instagram, it's Jen with two N's, McClellan VA uh, is how you can find me. State Senator Jennifer McClellan, who is running for governor of the Commonwealth of Virginia this fall. Ralph and I will be back with more of Center Court on the Winner's Circle Network. To get into sports casting, you need experience just to get your foot in the door. I can't tell you how many times in my career somebody will ask me, how do I get into your business? How do I become a sportscaster? The first thing I ask is, what have you done? Do you have any experience? And the answer is normally nothing yet. It's because they couldn't find a program that provided the real world experience that you need to get started. So I set out to create a program designed for the next wave of sportscasting talent. And my partner was an obvious one, Full Sail University great track record in entertainment and media, great alumni group, and the ability to evolve as the industry changes. We're offering a bachelor's degree that combines the professional expertise that my fellow sportscasters and I have built our careers on with the technologies shaping the world of sports. To succeed in this business, you have to be ready for what's next. But the core of great sportscasting I don't think will ever change. And this program brings it all together. Circle Network and the Sampson Family Foundation present Center Court with Ralph Sampson. Uplift, empower, educate. 
Welcome back to the Winter Circle Network and Center Court with Ralph Sampson. Great to have you. And uh, Ralph, I can't tell you how much I enjoyed Miss McClellan, uh, who is who is actually running for governor this fall. And uh, you know, wish her all the best. But just some really valid points regarding name, image, likeness, and uh, and really kind of where we are with this whole thing. And of course, Mark Emmert making the point: Look, I'm not going to talk to anybody till after the NCAA tournament. And I kind of see his point there because why let it be a distraction now? But even the players a week ago, Ralph, we're talking about a strike, a player strike saying, you know, we may delay the start of games or we may not play at all. We want this meeting, you know, and of course the, the foundation, the uh, association has been formed. The players associate, you know, the national college players association has been formed. Um, If you could talk to them, what would you say? Well, I mean, I think on a strike, they, I mean, you, you, you got to think about it. You got It's like the NBA did when they were in the bubble uh-huh. and the Black Lives Matter issue, right? Something came out with, with Milwaukee and a team, et cetera, et cetera. They got together, band together, and said, we're not going to play. So they had strengths right. at that point in time. So if they're going to strike, they need to strike right before the Final Four because that's where all the money's made, right? So when you strike right. at that point, you don't play. Then you, you got more power at that point in time. You wait till after the final four is over, you have no power. You're gonna be months and months, and the same thing is gonna happen next year. So the organization, whoever's organizing, I'm sure understand that. But you have to look at the magnitude of a strike and what are you striking for mm-hmm. and what do you want to come out of it. Right. Because this is this is so big, Mac, that I mean it's not gonna be something that's gonna happen quickly. It's just too many moving parts. It's yeah. billions of dollars to schools. It, it changed the footprint of the NCAA. One of the points uh, that I want to throw at you, we were talking about in the opening segment today about EA Sports and the game, and and they're looking they're they're going to jump from if EA Sports gets the whole thing done and they have a chance that they they have broken down the tiers that the top twenty five teams get so much money, second tier gets so much money, yada yada. But they think they can sell. $240 million worth of games, maybe upwards of $400 million in games. Ralph, we're on the brink of just some major, major negotiations coming up. It's, it's going to be scary because I don't think it's going to ever go back to the traditional way of really enjoying college sports the way I did at Virginia, coming mm-hmm. up, just enjoying the game. You know, it, it may have been wrong that we didn't get paid, but you didn't, you didn't pay attention to it at that, at that point. The thing that I'm, I'm most concerned about in the college sports arena, especially with athletes, is their education. Yeah. Because without that, I mean, you can say how many kids graduated, how many kids didn't graduate, what did they take in college that can apply to life afterwards? And right. it, it doesn't equate. It, it doesn't work. Uh, they can't get a good job in a four-year school. I mean, think about the kids out there that go to school and pay for that education. They end up as a waitress and a waiter in, 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 mm. in, in a restaurant sometimes because they can't get a job somewhere. So think about the athlete that doesn't have that same education because they spend more time in the gym working out, preparing for their sports instead of studying like a normal student. It's just, it just upside down. So it's going to be interesting to watch this year how all this pans out because I think it's going to change the landscape of college basketball and football for sure. Yeah, boy, we've got a lot of roads to travel. Hey, good show. Hope you have a good weekend. Enjoy some basketball, and I will certainly talk to you next week. It's going to be a good weekend for some college basketball. You got that right. He is Rob Sampson. I am Mac McDonald. And that's Center Court on the Winner's Circle Network.
You've been listening to Center Court with Hall of Fame basketball player Ralph Sampson. Our podcast is available on the Believe Network at BLEAV.com. Center Court is presented by the Winner's Circle Network and the Sampson Family Foundation. For more information, log on to SampsonFamilyFoundation.org. Uplift. Empower. Educate. Teamwork makes the dream work. Welcome to another round of Drawing Board or Miro Board. Today, we talk brainstorms with UX designer Brian. Let's go. First question. You thought you'd see everyone's idea in the team brainstorm, but you've got a grand total of one. Drawing Board or Miro Board? Drawing Board, right? Because in Miro, the team can add ideas now or later. And with privacy mode, we can keep them anonymous until they're good to share. Correct. Next, you need the best way to explain your idea, but all you have is a few sticky notes. Drawing board or Miro board? Drawing board, because, you know, in Miro, I could record videos, add text, images, links, and digital sticky notes, of course, present my thoughts the way I want. Right again! Now, you're looking for a past idea you thought was just genius. Only you could find... Oh, there it is! Drawing board or... Miro! Our finished and unfinished work lives in one place. And he's won. Join over 60 million people getting ideas noticed in Miro Brainstorms. Get your first three boards for free at Miro.com. That's M-I-R-O.com.